So, Jason, welcome to the uh, Hustling the Hazard podcast. How's things? Very good. Thanks, Callum. How are you? I'm good. I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you. So, firstly, Jason, for people who don't know who you are or what you do, what's your name and what is your sort of property strategy and what do you do? So, hi, everyone. My name's Jason Wood. Um, my Instagram is the out the property PM. I'm a professional project manager in my day job. Um, I'm a property investor and developer um, working in Wales currently. Um, primary strategies are um, commercial to residential conversions, uh, flips, buy-to-lets, all that kind of stuff, really. Um, I'm currently doing a couple of flips in, in um, South Wales, um, and they're, yeah, they're on track to be completed by the end of the year. Brilliant, brilliant. So when you say commercial to resident, is that is that HMOs, is it? Um, it's predominantly shops and tops, uh, so potentially um, HMOs on the top, depending on the area, or even service accommodation kind of strategies and things like that. Um, so a multitude of, of strategies. I'm part of a really, um, really good network of, of people that I can leverage experience and knowledge um, off of, uh, called the Net Game Club. Um, and yeah, if we we do network events and, and things like that as well and just generally talk property chat a bit like this really yeah 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 well um with the commercial to resi then because i i've come across quite a few where i'm based and where i invest i've come across quite a few commercial to resi um sort of developments if you like and i'll be honest i i would not have a clue where to start with them so where where do you think they work work best the commercial to resi is it is it cities is it is it big towns is it um that's a really great question Callum. um so you know in all the property training providers and courses out there they they say about um doing all this desktop research and and whilst that's that's great and i totally agree with that it's a good place to start i think you you've got to get your boots on the ground and go look so they do work in city center locations but conversely they also work just on the peripheries of those areas so as an example cardiff for instance um which is a a good area for hmos and also for service accommodation kind of things um but Property prices are expensive. Um, you have a lot of planning restrictions um, and things like that. But if you go to maybe 10 or 15 miles outside of that area, there's less restrictions, but you can find easy access into and around Cardiff. So, um, And property prices are, are more competitive to enable you to get in and, and do what you need to do. So... My advice on that would be, yes, look at the major cities. Um, think about the strategy and, and the product you're going to offer. Um, is it going to be to students, to professionals, um, that kind of stuff? Um, and then, you know, expand your search area and have a little look around, you know, 10 to 15 miles outside of that area and see what the transport links are like. Yeah. Uh, and then go visit it. Go and have a look. Um Talk to as many people as you as you possibly can, as many agents in in the area and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So by by the sounds of things, there, you don't you don't 
you don't invest where you live. Is that right? No, definitely not. <laughs> I live down south. Um, I've lived in Bournemouth on the south coast for probably quarter of a century now. <laughs> um, but I've recently just, because of the, the investment area in South Wales, it's about a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour drive for me around some fairly nasty roads. Yeah. Um, work in London, I... I, I own and operate a project management consultancy. So I consult for um, corporate um, people up in in doing projects in London. So I need to get either side of the country. Um, and I took a very brave decision, still don't know if it's the right one, but I'm, I'm sure it will work out at the end, um, to move to Amesbury, which is probably two hours away from the coast. So I moved away from my friends, my family, all wow. that kind of stuff. Um, to to take time off of the journey to Wales because I'm right next to the 303, which is um, a main dual carriageway that gets me to the M4 within 15 minutes or so. Um, and that gives me a bit more time back when I go to London as well and also when I go to Wales to invest in, in property and stuff. So um, anywhere anywhere above the M4, um, is really good investment areas. Um, below the M4, it's there are still some great investment opportunities, especially in um, like HMO and service accommodation and things like that. It's just the capital required to get into those deals um, at the beginning is a is a little bit more challenging. Yeah, uh, especially for a, a a new property investor. Um, and things like that um, in in the context of track record and um, with lenders and you know, yeah and things like that. So I was, so, I, was, I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, property that it's one of these property, obviously malls down Ormond and down south. But once yeah, once you're in, you're kind of in, aren't you? And you've got because it is hard for the average person, especially if they're on average wage, because all again. But once once you flip the property or you've refinanced the property and you've done okay on it, you sort of and then you've got that deposit and you get the momentum going. Um, yeah. So the, the ones you've got on now are they HMOs or? Uh, no, these two are uh, flips. Um, I I always look at um, a minimum of three exits. Um, because obviously the the state of the market at the moment is fluctuating somewhat with with interest rates and yeah. and everything else. Um, so I can definitely see a, a slowdown in in prices. So the primary strategy for these two was to renovate them and flip them over. Um, and then I've got a third in advancing um, at the moment, which is a larger property, um, detached again in the same area. Um, but it lends itself to a, a loft conversion um, extension, that kind of stuff, to add an additional two bedrooms for potentially a HMO or a service accommodation unit. But that's the more development finance kind of thing. So, but it's a, it's quite a good question because over the last week, I've been looking to possibly pivot these two strategies on these two. Um, to a service accommodation for corporate workers, um, worker stays and things like that. Um, again, the areas 
um, pretty good for that because there's a lot of um, provincial roadworks happening. There's some big developments going on, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm in the process of collaborating with my network um, and figuring out the stuff that I don't know about that at the moment. So, yeah, you, I think you've got to be flexible in your approach um, depending yeah. on what the market conditions are. Yeah, most definitely, yes. And where, where about in South Wales? Is is it Cardiff, I heard you say? Is that where you mostly No, it's in, it's in between Cardiff, Swansea and Merthyr. So I've like got a triangle. Yeah. Um, the the properties I'm doing at the moment, they're in Mountain Ash, um, which is on the main A470 between the M4 um, and Merthyr Timville. So really good link roads, um, heads of the valleys, goes up to Brecon Beacons, Wide part of Wales, there's lots of activities to do from a holiday maker perspective. Yeah. Uh, there's also good links into Swansea, into Cardiff, which are big university student towns and, and things like that. Um, there's a lot of old stock. There are old mining towns, um, uh, mining villages. So you come across some, some weird constructions, that's for sure. So that's where my... Uh, my experience as a as a project manager comes into play and to the forefront um, because I'm able to identify risk elements and include that in my budget, um, which through all of my conversations with property investors and, and things like that is an area that they struggle with. So um, I help give give advice and, and things like that on things to account for. Yeah. To help them on that on their journey, so, yeah. So that's interesting then that your job, your job is basically it's sort of it's, it's helping you what you're doing now, isn't it? So did did you get to that first sort of see what the the investors were doing and then and then thought hang on like bold moments and got into it yourself or was it not like that? Well, um, I've always been interested in property. To be honest, <clears throat> um, I I was in the army back in the day and I came out. Um, when I was in my early 20s and I went and worked on a building site as a labourer with with my best mate at the time, uh, Robin his name was, and um, we had a great time, it was great fun. Um, and from there I journeyed into the construction industry and I've been in it you know, for, for all of my life. Um, I went through various trades, through sheet metal work, ventilation, duct work, things like that up to refrigeration and air conditioning. Um, and then I worked for a company as an air conditioning engineer and got promoted to the management team, took a massive reduction in wages. Um, but it played to my strengths, my kind of fairly detailed kind of um, character. Um, and that's good in some respects, but it's, it's bad in others. Uh, stuff that I work on daily, uh, mindset-wise and things like that, not overthinking things. Um, but I've always been interested in property. I've always watched these, like the the standard property shows, like Homes Under the Hammer and stuff like that. But I'm a big fan of um, the Masters of Flip. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, and it's an American TV show where these guys come in and they and they take these properties and they strip them to the bare bones and they flip them back over and and they look amazing. Um, so I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. It's like, how do I get into that kind of thing? Because as a project manager, I'm dealing with commercial, I'm dealing with residential, I'm dealing with all kinds of different stuff 
in the construction industry, large scale, small scale, um, and normally I'd be given a scope of works, a specification, this kind of stuff, and then I just manage the project. So, so it's the delivery side that I do as a, or have been doing as a, as a day job. So it was over the, over the last, I think it was when lockdown hit, it was like, what, what can I do now? Because I was on freelance, so self-employed. So like a lot of people in the country, it work just completely stopped. So mm. my income completely stopped. And it was that, at that time I thought, okay, I need to think of how I can do something different going forward. And property was one of them. I did a, a I did a training course and all that kind of stuff. And that's where I started my property journey. So, and the two, I'm kind of diversifying my knowledge and experience as a PM in the way that I do properties. Um, a lot of the training out there just kind of says refer to your PM or talk to your builder or talk to this, that, the other. Um, I have a slightly different approach. I, I believe as a property investor, you should be taking control of the what is called the pre-construction works um, side of it. So when you get your offer accepted to when you get your keys, you've got like a two to three month period where you've got the opportunity to qualify your contractors, um, appoint them under CDM, which is not talked about. A lot of people are unaware of that, which is the construction industry regulations, basically. Um, construction Design Man Management Regulations 2015, which is what the building industry has to conform to. And as a property investor, buying properties under a company name, people don't seem to realise that um, you fall under those regulations when you do stuff. So um, a lot of people I talk to, they end up going into the marketplace um, and getting the builder, getting the plumber, getting the electrician and managing the project themselves. So in essence, being the project manager, what they don't realise is that they are fully... Um, accountable for the health and safety on those projects. Um, none of the property training courses and stuff cover this in the depth that I believe it, it is needed. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that I've got that knowledge and experience to be able to, you know, help people in, in the network and stuff like that when they come across it, or at least make them aware of steps they can take to mitigate for that and pass that risk on to somebody else, like the builder, by just by something like appointing them um, with an official letter to say, I appoint you as my principal contractor <laughs> to conduct my duties under CDM. And that takes pretty much 90% of the health and safety responsibilities off you as a client. I don't know if you knew about that at all, Callum. I'll be honest, Jason, that is brand new news to me. Is it? <laughs> yeah. There you go, right? Every nothing. Ah, people are completely unaware of it. That that's massive. That's absolutely massive. Yeah. So, is is that just as let's say if you're buying your personal name, how does it work in terms of that? Is that the same or? It's a little bit different in your personal name, but um, there's lots of really good guidance and advice on the HSE website in regards to that. Um, look, project management 
is complex. There's there's so many. Um, a lot of people refer to it as spinning multiple plates. Um, and you've got to be so flexible. You've got to, you've got to wear so many different hats. You're a health and safety advisor one day. Um, you're a project manager the next day. You're a procurement manager the next day. You're a people manager the next day. Do you know what I mean? So this is so so many facets to it. Um, and it's it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And I'm sure there's people out there that, that listen to your to your stuff. Is um, they are they are struggling through these these developments and, and things like that. And it, and it always ends up hitting people in the pocket. Um, and that's why I'd started putting stuff on Instagram and things like that. You know, some tips and stuff like that to hopefully hopefully help people realize that and think about um the way they deliver their property projects in a better way um which to the benefit of them and their investors um to stop them losing money basically yeah. you know what i mean because we we buy we buy properties um and make the money when we buy but the build costs you know your budget budget numbers um that everybody comes up with when they make that offer is just a finger in the air kind of complete guess um and that's where a lot of people struggle um to stick to that budget um and that's that's where i hear a lot of horror stories so that's why i'm putting my stuff out there to hopefully help people in that side of it yeah most definitely well, that's brand new news to me and that and i and it's and it's actually it's actually quite scary isn't it it's is scary right it is scary um and not to scare you anymore, but just be real and authentic. Um, you could get a massive fine or even a prison sentence, and all you've got to do is go on the HSE website um, and uh, just search CDM. Um, so much so that I'm actually in the process of writing a book called The Fundamentals of Project Management. Um, a property investor's guide to successful project delivery. I've been working on it for the last eight or nine months um, to kind of help people understand those those elements of it and give them the opportunity to learn it in a way that they can be a project manager and do it themselves, or at least they they will gain the knowledge to be able to pass that on in the correct way to um, qualify. A contractor to do it for them, sort of thing. Because how how have you found um, on your property projects, for example, Callum, um, qualified a builder or getting the right trades? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna go back to that where you said because I like. I like. I'm quite guilty of, like you said before, you've got three months there if you're saving to you know it's in sale or whatever. I don't know, the last one it was nine months because it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. So I had, say, say, average three months. You've got a good three months there to find a good builder, you know, just good trading all around. But I, I find I'm quite guilty for it. The first couple, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. I was getting to the project and then, and then scruffling around for it. And I think I reckon a lot of people do that, to be honest. So I didn't want to touch on how you, how the best way to qualify a builder is. Now we've got a great guy. Do we use and, it, and it's perfect? Um, but I, I did want to touch on that and see how, how do you qualify a builder? 
Yeah, so the reason I said I, I said that because again it's you've got to look at your projects as a as a whole. There's there's a the thing in project management called the project life cycle. Um and that's that's a methodology that is applied to all projects across the board. Doesn't matter how small they are, how big they are, the same kind of methodology. And it's basically stages in a project so those three months fall into the to the initiation phase which is the um, pre-construction element and that is where you get all of your information together because you've got you've got budgets you've got an idea of what you want the product to be like you've got an idea of the types of materials you want to use what the look and the feel is going to be like all that kind of stuff you then shift into detailing out that element of it um, in the defini- definition phase, and that's when you get into the detail and you be specific. You come up with a scope of works. You come up with a specification, so what type of kitchen you're going to put in, what type of floor and it's going to be, what colours the paint that's going to go on the wall, right? what type of doors you're going to put in, all of this kind of stuff. And by putting all of this together in that three months, taking ownership of it, as a client side of thing, rather than letting the um, the build team tell you what to put in, I firmly believe that you as the client should set the expectation from a cost, a quality, um, and a time perspective. I call that the project management triangle. And that should drive all of your decisions at the front end, during the build, at, at the back end. Any time a challenge comes up, you refer to the project management triangle, is that going to cost me in money, time, or quality? And which one are you prepared to compromise on, right? Because you can never really get all three. That's that's like a unicorn. That's really, really difficult to get. If you can get that, that's perfect. Um, but the, usually you always got to compromise on one. I mean, the, the two that I'm running at the moment... Um, I've got a compromise on the end date. The end date was supposed to be project completion. Uh, it was supposed to be end of next week. Some circumstances were happened over the last two weeks. The builder was off sick for a week. Um, couldn't get any additional staff in. We found some problems with a floor and a floor ended up having to come up, which extended the, the project. So I've had to accept that delay, but, and push the end date back by a couple of weeks, which is, frustrating um but again it doesn't affect the cost because the builders accepted responsibility it doesn't affect the quality of the product that's going to be offered but it just affects the time so you there's a level of acceptance you've got to do that um but to pre-qualify all of your contractors in that period means that when you get your keys what what benefit is to you as a investor is that you've done all of the planning, the project delivery should be the easy bit, yeah. right? You, this is what people don't seem to realise. They, If you do all of the planning at the, at the front end, you qualify with your contractors, um, there's a there's a process called the EQQ, which is a pre-qualification questionnaire. Um, there's there's templates available online. I, you know, I've got some which I'll, I'd be willing to share with people, no problem. Um, and it's probably a post that I'll put on my Instagram anyway, that kind of stuff. 
when I start getting into more detail about these things specifically. Um, and all it is is a list of questions to give you as the client a bit of surety um, about who these people are that you're giving all this money to mm. to do a project for you, right? So we talk about um, talking to people, building relationships, all of that kind of stuff. And it's even more important with with your build team as well, especially if you're an investor like me or like the majority are who are three, four or five hours away from their investment area. They totally leave it in the hands of their builder. If you haven't built up that trust before they're even on site, how can you expect it to run smoothly? And that's where the conflicts seem to come in, you know, from conversations I've had. People always hammer the build team, say, oh, they haven't done this, or this is rubbish, and all that. My response to that is, you need to take responsibility. Mm. At the end of the day, for everything that happens to you, or because of you, because you haven't taken the time to detail out, this is what I need, this is my expectation. You want to push that responsibility onto somebody else, and then when they don't deliver... You then point the finger, and to me, that's the wrong way about to go about it, especially in this industry because it's it's pretty tough, right? Yeah. The more you, the more you can, more information you can provide at the front end about what you want in line with your budget, the better the chances are that a you're going to find the right people to work with to get the right quality at the cost that you need it to be done. But be open, be honest. Say, look, this is my budget. This is my strategy. This is what I want at the end. How can we possibly deliver this together? You're part of the team at the end of the day, you know, and you're there. If you're project managing it, you're there. The definition of a project manager is is to resolve problems. You're going to deal with conflict at some point. So think about your language. Think about how you speak to people um, to get them on the same journey to the same goal that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I am I imagine where you are now, obviously you invest in a few different places, like you said, in South Wales. How long did it take you? I, I, I imagine you're using the same sort of teams now. You've got to that point where you think you've got teams that right. Yeah, so I've got um it took me a good a good year yeah. uh, to find the right kind of build team. Um because I'm, because I'm in the industry, I what I've done is I've I've created some trade accounts myself to give me some buying power. Um, obviously, the the builder has that's how they make their money as well. They they mark up their materials and things like that. When projects are tied, because I've got and built that relationship with the builder and with the build team, um, it's easier for me to be more collaborative. Um, so if a bathroom, his price comes in at three grand and I can actually buy all of this stuff for 1,500 quid through my trade accounts. I can have that conversation and say, look, I can supply you the equipment. You just charge me for the labor to put it in and we both win because he still gets paid his money, but it gets done quicker and I can get the equipment cheaper. But conversely, it's got to be a, it's got to be a win-win relationship. Right, and he understands what I'm trying to deliver in these projects for the benefit of my business, and he's trying to grow his business as well. So, 
we're working together. Um, he'll do some extra stuff for me um, and saying, I'm, I'm like, look, that's an extra cost. That's a variation to what we've talked about. Yeah. Um, what's the cost going to be? Don't worry, I'm, I'll take care of it. I want to work with those people. Yeah. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because they're not, they're not all about, oh, what can they get out of it? Yeah. They're all about, they're, they're looking more long-term, um, which is as property investors, we, we all kind of have an eye on what the five-year goal is or what, what the dream is, what the lifestyle is and stuff, you know? That's how I see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. So, and another thing I wanted to ask <clears throat> was, um, when, when did you, I, do you, do you use the, the difference between individual trades and builders? Sure. What a combination, a combination depends on, depends on the, the, the budget for the project and how tight it is. So, um, if you engage a, a principal contractor and say, I want you to take care of everything, you've, you've got all of the trades, whether you use individual, because a lot of, a lot of builders, um, are very, are amazing at what they do. Really, really good at what they do, but they don't necessarily of the knowledge or skills or the actual employed guys to do the plumbing, the electrics, you know, that kind of M and E mechanical and electrical stuff, the fire alarms and, and things like that. If you're getting into HMO stuff, they're really good on the fabric, on the structure and all of this, but invariably they get in individual trades anyway, individual trades, people and um, self-employed guys, man in the van, that kind of stuff. So whilst yes, you can do that, that's great. You'll pay more you'll pay more for it. And then all the responsibility is on on the builder. Um and again, but again at the same time, if they don't have the capacity, this is where the relationship comes in, they don't have the capacity and I've got some contacts or I, I qualify these these people to come in for a period of time, um, then there's the opportunity there for me to help for the benefit of the project as a whole, supply that labour. The only conflict that could arise is that if I arrange for a plumber to go in on a, on a next week, but the builder hasn't finished his work, then there's a potential conflict there. So that's where the skill of, of the management comes in and being flexible in the programme, how you're going to deliver it. So again, it all links together as everything does in managing your own projects um, and all goes back to the front end where you've planned it and you've set an expectation for time and you've looked at how you're going to sequence this stuff. Um, yeah. And again, in collaboration with your builder, they'll be able to say, oh, to do this will take five days to do that. We'll do two days to do that. We'll do two, day, two weeks type stuff. This is when I'm going to need the plumber in. This is when I'm going to need the electrician in. Um, but you know, that'll come with experience, um, and over time. And I think if you can get a builder that can do it all, all as one, that's fantastic. And if you've got a great relationship with them, why wouldn't you, you know, um, engage them to do it for you as long as they deliver all time in cost and, and in line with the quality expectations that you've set. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that was interesting. I think, I think this episode, Jason, has brought a lot of value, especially to me. Because right? speaking to someone with, with experience like yourself, it's, it's, 
it's interesting to hear how you do it. And I think um, the planning thing is so simple, but it's 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 not easy. It's not easy because it, oh. it comes with experience. So, like certain things, like say the plan. I'm obviously not plastering with, but the, you know. If you're a newbie in it and you say to the plasterer, okay, I want this done in this amount of time, but this plasterer is like you said, he's a man in van, he's on his own, and you're expecting to get a full red house done in two weeks. And I've had that problem before, and then I'm I'm getting angry, and the plasterer is like, well, hang on, we said two weeks, but it's a it's it's a breakdown of communication early on, isn't it? Yeah, like relationships, how you speak to them, right? So, just on that example. I completely understand why you're getting angry and frustrated with him. Um, but then can you can see by his response, like, well, you said two weeks, so I'm taking two weeks. So rather than this is where the mindset comes in, this is where the, the possibility thinking comes in. Okay, what can I possibly do to help you deliver this quicker? Because what what you what you need to realize is that everybody in the construction and everybody in life in general right they're all out to make money to survive or to you know go on nice holidays and all this kind of stuff the guys who are actually physically doing the the labor on site are exactly the same you know they they want their money at the end of the day that's that's the most important thing to everyone in this society so to enable them to achieve that you You've got to communicate effectively. It's it's something that's overlooked as well, um, and it's how how can we work together? What can I do for you to enable you to do your job quicker, which will benefit me in the long run? But I'm, a lot of a lot of those kind of conflicts or or instances from their side is oh if if I do it quicker, he's not going to pay me the amount that he said he's going to pay me. Yeah. So, say as an example, say that plaster said two weeks and it will cost you three grand and he does it in a week. Would you pay him 1500 quid or would you pay him three grand? I'd, I'd personally, I'd pay him what we what would agree. That's a three grand. I, 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 I get where you come up with them. Yeah. So, that is absolutely the right approach because he might have got two or three other guys in and enabled him to do it in a week. We might have planned it so it's just him and his oppo doing it and it's going to take two weeks it yeah. takes as long as it takes but again it, it links back to your expectations from the very beginning when you need it done yeah so if, if you need it done in six weeks and he's in in week three and you've got two weeks of finishes to do so painting and and flooring and kitchens and all this kind of stuff and he said two weeks okay well i'll pay you the same amount but bring some more people in to get it done in a week. Can you do that? And we work together with it. Yep. What can I give you? What 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 situation can I give you to make it easier for you? But don't worry, I'm still going to pay you the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Then there's a few people that that I've come across in a similar situation and said, Oh, you need to do it quicker. And they finish quicker and then they've only paid them, oh well you were on a day rate bank. Well, you're not going to get do you know what I mean? You need to think a little bit further yeah, ahead. That's it. Well, thank you so much, Jason. The um the time running out on the on the timer. So I will 
end of here, but that that was so valuable to just to me alone. I, I know that'll be valuable to everyone listening. It was it was great. I can tell you've got a, a wealth of experience. So just quickly appreciate, I appreciate them um the invite to come on and have a chat. I mean we could talk for hours of this stuff. <laughs> I know. But just just quickly because I know the time is gonna run out. Where is best to, to find you, Jason? Um best to find me on um Instagram um at the property PM. Um, I link it to my Facebook as well. Um, so, but I'm 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 working on uh, more and more content and, and tips and stuff like that. Or see, extremely busy um, at the moment, but I'm I'm working on the plan to improve that as well. So, put a bit more useful information out there for everybody, and hopefully it helps. I'm sure it will. And thank you so much for your time, Jason. Like I say, it's been so valuable, and I'm sure I will love it. Awesome stuff. Thank you, man.